Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2350, with a release date of Friday, November 11th, 2022, to follow in 54321. The following is a QST. Climate change raises ham radio's profile in Mozambique. The transistor celebrates its 75th year, and a pioneering YL becomes a silent key. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2350 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Charleston, West Virginia, here's Jim Dameron, NATMW. The United Nations Climate Change Conference may be underway in Egypt, but a series of climate talks held earlier among African nations has already made a big difference. A difference that lands amateur radio in a more prominent role as climate grows ever more unpredictable. Jason Daniels, VK2LAW, brings us up to date. The climate talks that took place among African nations earlier this year in Mozambique have paved the way to something unprecedented in that nation. Mozambique's first ham radio station earmarked specifically for disaster response. Following several seasons of deadly winds and floods battering the country, its leaders are now giving highest priority to formalising disaster risk reduction measures such as this. The need for resilient telecommunications is at the top of the list. A prototype emergency ham radio station has been launched in the capital city of Maputo, set up by the National Institute of Communications, or INCM. The station has the support of the Emergency Telecommunications Cluster, the World Food Programme's Technology Division in Mozambique, and the National Institute of Disaster Risk Management and Reduction. There are plans to add stations at Taytay and Nyasa, Pemba and other provinces. Sudhir Kumar, the telecommunication cluster's preparedness officer, told the Mirage News, quote, Together we assessed the needs and drafted a national action plan for telecommunications preparedness in Mozambique. A dozen radio operators have been trained as hams and have received licences. Radio operators throughout the country are also being encouraged to participate. Kumar said the additional volunteers are likely to come from young people who compromise more than half of Mozambique's population. A workshop is planned soon at a major communications technology institute in Maputo. This is Jason Daniels, VK2 LAW. The worldwide ham community, and most especially those in the Connecticut offices of the ARRL, are mourning the loss of an amateur radio leader. We hear more about her from Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. Ellen White, W1YL, spent more than three quarters of her life involved in amateur radio and was known the world over for her expertise and advocacy. Ellen became a silent key in Florida on Sunday, November 6th. The ARRL posted an obituary on its website, noting that Ellen's 25 years with the league included her stint as deputy communications manager and later editor of a column, How's DX, for QST, the league's magazine. She had been a ham since 1946, and over the years, she became a well-known presence globally. In 2019, she received the Russian E.T. Krenkel Medal, an honor bestowed upon groups and individuals who have contributed much to amateur radio. 
She had been a broadcast station engineer by profession, and as an amateur, she developed a fondness for contests. The Florida Contest Group considered her its founding grandmother, and she is pictured on its homepage beside her fellow club members. Ellen was 95. This is Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. Unless you're a boat anchor enthusiast, chances are you owe a lot of your amateur radio success to the transistors that are the heart and soul of your rig and other station equipment. The IEEE's Electron Devices Society has set aside much of the coming year to mark the transistor's 75th anniversary. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, tells us what's in store. Considered by many to be the foundation of the electronics industry, the transistor was created by Bell Labs in New Jersey in 1947, sidelighting vacuum tubes for most users of electronics. Its development garnered the 1956 Nobel Prize in Physics for the trio who created it, and now, so many years later, its recognition is taking on a new life, starting next month. The IEEE's Electron Devices Society will be holding a series of meetings and conferences into 2023 devoted to the transistor and so many of the devices it inspired and made possible. The first program is the IEEE International Electron Devices Meeting to be held on December 3rd through the 7th in San Francisco. There will also be plenty of written material to read about the transistor in the coming year. Society members are writing a book about how it was developed, and the EDS newsletter and IEEE Spectrum will be publishing technical articles about the transistor in the months ahead. This is Kent Peterson, KC0DGY. If you're in the UK and want a way to formally measure your Morse code competency, there's a newly appointed hand to oversee your test. Here's Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, to introduce him. Eric Arkinstall, M0KZB, recognizes that for many fellow hams, amateur radio is all about the love of Morse code, plain and simple. For Eric, being an amateur has almost always been about the love of all things radio, when, since at age 11, he built his first crystal set. Recently, the Radio Society of Great Britain appointed him coordinator of the Morse Competency Test, which awards operators recognition for their efforts. Although a Morse code certificate is not proof of a national standard of proficiency, or internationally recognised, it's a matter of pride for those operators who attain it. In most countries now, including the UK, a knowledge of Morse code is no longer a requirement for a ham radio licence. According to the RSGB website, five words per minute is the slowest speed for which the certificate is issued. This is being done to encourage progress towards higher speeds. Tests are also available at 10, 12, 15, 20, 25 and 30 words per minute. If you wish to take the test, you can email Eric directly at morse.tests at rsgb.org.uk. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. The Orion spacecraft, which is set to be launched toward the moon this month, won't be making the trip alone. Amateur radio operators will be along for the ride. Well, sort of. Paul Brown, WD9GCO, explains. When Artemis 1 dispatches an uncrewed Orion spacecraft on its journey to the moon, two hams will be on board the mission, even though they're keeping their feet solidly on planet Earth. Amateur radio operators are part of the 18-member team of volunteers who will be tracking various parts of the 25-day mission, recording whether it is possible to copy Orion's signal. NASA said they will also track and measure changes in Orion's radio transmissions. 
The team will include satellite enthusiast Scott Chapman, K4KDR of Vermont, and amateur astronomer Scott Tilly, VE7TIL of British Columbia. The two amateurs were chosen to join space agencies and international companies from Canada, Germany, Korea, and elsewhere. I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO. If you're a recent college graduate with an engineering degree or expect to graduate with that degree in December, this opportunity from the U.S. Federal Communications Commission might interest you. Here's details from Cell MB, KB3TZD. The Honors Engineer Program, an FCC career development initiative, has openings for engineering graduates interested in spending a year working alongside experienced professionals. The engineers will tackle such issues as broadcast standards, next-generation communications networks, and innovations in space. They will also explore public safety issues and consult with Homeland Security agencies. Another focus will be new communications technologies, especially with respect to energy, education, and healthcare. The program is run with an eye toward having its participants ultimately join the FCC as full-time employees. Candidates may find this to be a competitive program. The agency considers academic achievement only one part of the successful engineer's resume. The FCC will also take into account technical skills and extracurricular activities. All candidates must show that they have an interest in working for a government employer in the communications sector. If you're interested, you have until December 2nd to apply. Applications can be made online. You'll find the link to the application process in the text version of this week's newscast script at arnewsline.org. Thank you, Cell Emby, KB3TZD. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the AH6LE repeater in Clackamas County, Oregon, on Sundays at 6 p.m. local time. In Western Canada, a growing number of hams have discovered that the most effective way to transmit to other hams doesn't necessarily involve being on the air. Andy Morrison, K9AWM, has that story. In Calgary, Alberta, a group of enthusiastic mentors has begun tackling the ongoing mystery of the vanishing newbie, the candidate who studies for and passes the Canadian Basic Certification. That same ham then moves on to an advanced license, attends some club meetings, but soon tapers off radio-related activities within that first year. It is a recurring pattern of loss that Jerry Spring, VE6TL, and others in Calgary believe they could help stop. Jerry told Newsline, quote, This pattern continued for years until a few of us Elmers got together and figured out what was missing. That's when they formed a dedicated team of Elmers known as SASTAR. SASTAR stands for Southern Alberta Support Team for Amateur Radio. Compiling a list of the latest newbies, the team reached out to reduce what Jerry calls the culture shock experienced by new license holders, the antenna regulations, the different modes, and their own puzzling equipment needs. The Elmers of SASTAR organized and reached out via personal contact methods that include Zoom and Groups.io, which added extra appeal for the youngest among the newbies. 
Jerry said, quote, suddenly we started seeing and hearing a lot more people on the air. Some even decided to learn CW and take to the HF airwaves, even though they hadn't considered these things before. The same thing happened with fox hunting, soda, and field day, end quote. In fact, some now volunteer as Sastar Elmers, too. The enthusiasm is spreading to the Atlantic provinces, where Appstar was born with the help of Sastar. Prince Edward Island amateur George Dewar, VY2GF slash VY2PLH, is replicating this proven method with Elmers in that region with guidance from Jerry and Pat, VE6PDS. George may not be the last one to extend the experiment either. Jerry said he's already had inquiries from a friend in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay tuned. This is Andy Morrison, K9AWM. Just as the word animoi signifies the mythical Greek gods of the four winds, a new effort known as Animoi Incident Response is looking to provide communications and assistance to all corners of the United States when disaster strikes. As it grows from its Arkansas location, the not-for-profit is conducting a nationwide recruit action, a multifaceted outreach that includes amateur radio operators. Dave Parks, WB8ODF, has those details. Colleen Udell, president of Animoy Incident Response, said the organization received its nonprofit status in May, but its origins go back much further with the veteran responders who created it. Animoy's component teams include Oxcom, weather spotters, ground crew, social media, and dispatch. Colleen told Newsline, quote, We all have plenty of years of disaster relief experience and wanted to find a way to utilize communications to complement what is going on with all these other disaster relief organizations, end quote. The other assistance groups include ARIES and non-governmental organizations that step in during a crisis. Colleen said that Animoy is as much a safety net for these NGOs as well as for small communities that sometimes fall between the cracks in a crisis because they lack a robust response team or any plan at all. Oxcom team director Thomas Starlito, KD9JSA, is based in Illinois, and assistant Oxcom director Paul Falk, KO4KXV, is in Florida. Animoy hams can live anywhere in the U.S., just as the group Storm Chasers are scattered throughout the U.S. Tom said that portable repeaters are in the works for UHF-VHF radios, and non-amateurs can eventually be deployed using GMRS and business radios. If you have skills that you think can be put to good use in helping, visit their website, myanimoy.org. That's animoy, spelled A-N-E-M-O-I. You'll find a link to an application form and a reminder on their homepage that, quote, there's no shortage of ways to give back, end quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Dave Parks, WB8ODF. In the world of DX, be listening for Franz, PC2F, operating as PF01MAX until the 20th of November during the Grand Prix weekends of this year's FIA Formula One World Championship. QSL to PC2F, either direct via the Bureau, Logbook of the World, or EQSL. The T88WA team is active until the 14th of November from Core Island 
Iota number OC009 Palau. They're on the air from this western Pacific island on 160 through 6 meters. QSL via M0URX or Logbook of the World. Chris, HB9FIY, is on St. Helena Island and will operate for the next two weeks as ZD7CA on 40 through 10 meters holiday style. He'll be using SSB and the digital modes when time permits. QSL via EA5GL. Listen for Brian, ND3F, on the air from New Providence Island as C6AQQ from November 24th through December 1st. He'll be on all HF bands and will participate in the CQ Worldwide CW contest. QSL via EA5GL. If you were hoping to work Haru JA1XGI as TX5XG this month from the Austral Islands, please update your calendar. He has postponed his activation until next year. No further details are available. We end this week's report by looking at a holiday that is observed every November in the U.S. It was originally known as Armistice Day. So what does this have to do with amateur radio? Randy Sly, W4XJ, will tell us now. In the United States, November 11th is Veterans Day, a day honoring the men and women who have served in the U.S. Armed Forces. The annual holiday is marked on the anniversary of the end of World War I. On that day, one man likes to honor amateur radio for its service as well. Eligible for the draft in the late 1960s, he chose to enlist in the Navy. When asked if he had any experience, he mentioned he had been a ham radio operator since his freshman year in high school. The recruiter's eyes lit up. He shared that the man's amateur radio license would allow him to enlist at a higher rank and enter active duty as a third-class petty officer without needing to attend radium in A school. During his time on active duty, that man's ham radio experience paid off, helping him to become a leader in the communications mission of his destroyer. In addition to his technical expertise, he was the only one in Radio Central who could also send and receive traffic using Morse code during training exercises. That man, and many others like him who have served their country, receive their training simply by being hams. So thank you, Amateur Radio, for your service. By the way, that man was me. This is Randy Sly, W4XJ. And thank you for your service, Randy. With thanks to Animoy Incident Response, the ARRL, CQ Magazine, David BR, K7DB, DXWorld.net, Jerry Spring, VE6TL, Mirage News, QRZ.com, Radio Society of Great Britain, Southgate Amateur Radio News, ShortwaveRadio.de, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us.
For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Jim Dameron, NATMW in Charleston, West Virginia, saying 73. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2022, all rights reserved.